Today, I'm going to talk to you about finding God's favor at Christmas. We're going to, uh, in a minute, we're going to be in the, in the Gospel of Luke chapter 1, but we're going to talk about finding God's favor at Christmas. And I want to tell you uh, why we're going to pick this one. Uh, it's, it was interesting watching them read that story and even talk about Mary for a minute because that's very much what we're going to do today. Um, when you look at the Christmas story, one of the things that I think we've done, and, and it's just human nature, it doesn't mean that we're bad or that culture's bad, but I think that, I think that we do what normal people do, and that is we look at the Christmas story through American eyes in 2021, right? We, 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 I mean, how can we not? We, we didn't live back then. We, we, we didn't operate back then. We look at the Christmas story in a very uh, American way. It's a neatly packaged idea with trees and lights and it's got food and, you know, uh, people that own health, health clubs love this time of year because memberships go up next month and they're going to get your money, you know, because you're going to make, and that go into academy, you're going to buy jump ropes and dumbbells and you're going to buy these things you see on ads because that's going to make it better this year and the Bowflex and all the things that we do, you know, that make us feel better about ourselves because Christmas is, you know, that time where we, we just eat a lot and and so we're, we're with people. It's great, man. You got all these songs. You got traditions. Everybody's got their traditions. As I was watching Jenny do all the stuff she was doing up here with those kids and those little ornaments, man. We have a tradition at our house where we, uh, we all hang. We, um, we put up the Christmas tree. And that, I don't know what I, how I feel about that um, because it's uh, uh, messing with those lights. I don't know if, if that's from God or from the devil. I hadn't figured that out yet and don't know that. I, if, if we ever built a home, I told Michelle one time, if we ever build a house, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build a closet uh, off the main hallway and it's going to be big enough for a Christmas tree and I'm putting that joker on rollers and I'm rolling that sucker right in there and I'm rolling it right back out. And then, but now I do, I, I don't like the putting the lights on part, but I love the dressing it up with the ornaments part. That's really cool because one of the traditions we have at our Christmas and our family is all of our ornaments have a story behind them and and they all go back to Michelle's childhood or our boys and things they made, you know, in the turkey and they put their fingers and, you know, you got all the things and, that we do. And uh, this year we have Tucker's hand and we had one that uh, had Cole's hand and, and they're, you know, little and you're like, oh my gosh, I remember when we did that. And you get to tell all the stories. And one of the things I've done over the years is, is uh, I get a Christmas ornament from every weird place I've ever been. Uh, like I got one in a cave in Moldova that two, there's two monks that live in a cave. And the only place you can get that ornament is if you go in that cave and get it from those monks. And so you're never going to have that ornament, you people, but I've got it. And, uh, you know, I'm not competitive, but... Um, <laughs> But I've got some snowshoes that I got when I was filming a project in the Arctic Circle, and uh, that was kind of kind of wild. Uh, but all of our all of our you know stuff has has a memory and a story, and, and I love that, and and all that makes Christmas really really great. But if you were if you were alive at the time of Joseph and Mary, it wasn't that great. It was far from packaged. It was far from neat. It was far from really good baked goods. It was filled with the supernatural. I mean, you had a lot happening right there in those few days. You had prophecies coming into fulfillment. You had angels appearing to people. You had, you had all kinds of supernatural events taking place, man. 
It, it, was, not, it was not this easy, easy, well-packaged retail idea. It was where the, where the holy came and interrupted the human, right? The supernatural and the sovereign showed up and Christmas was a, a unique time and today we're going to look specifically at the life of Mary. Um, I've told you this before, but I don't, I, I, I doubt you may remember it, but I've, I've made a habit most of my life of observing things people did in the Bible, just for me. Ever since I became a Christian, from the very moment that I met Jesus, one of my deepest desires was that I wanted my life to count. I wanted my life to count for the kingdom of God, and I wanted to put myself, from the moment I became a believer, I wanted God to use me. I, I did, and I do, and I did. And, and one of the things I learned as I would study the Bible characters is that you, you can look at Bible characters' lives and you can learn a lot. You know, you can learn a lot from people. I guarantee you've done this. You've done this in your jobs. You've done this in your families. In fact, some of you have got really good parenting skills because you did the opposite of what your mom and dad did. And some, don't look at me like you're, I'm the only one that does that. Okay, come on. Y'all know. Hey, we know, right? I mean, there's things that you, as, as you get older in parenting, you do realize your parents are making it up as they go. You, you, you know that. And, and there's just things that, you know, they're, oh, I have a playbook for everything. And, but, but you can observe, you've done it on the job. You've looked at really good bosses you've had and really bad bosses you've had. And you thought, you know, I'm going to make notes on that. And I'm, I'm not going to do it that way. Or I'm going to do it that way. Boy, I learned something from that boss back there. And I learned an important truth. I, you can do the same thing. With the Bible, and you can take biblical characters and you can look at what they do, and you can see that one of the one of the traits that I've noticed over the years is that people that God uses, here's what they do: they put themselves in a position. You hear, hear me? They put themselves in a position where God can use them. I, I, I would equate it much like an open door, right? I would equate it much like an open door. I'm going to use that image this morning some. That when there's an open door, if you'll go through that door, you can experience something on the other side of that door, but you have to go through it in order to experience it. And what I've learned about people in the Bible that God used is they would often, Jesus even said, behold, I stand at the door of your heart. Jesus used the door imagery at times. There's something on the other side if you're willing to go experience it. And so what I've learned about people in the scriptures that God put favor on, there was many times, now look, you can't, you can't force God's favor, you hear me? You can't do that. You can't, you can't force God to put favor on you. He gets the right to reserve that. But I'll tell you what you can do. You can put yourself in a position that the favor of God can be put on you. You really can. Now, and I'm, not, I'm not talking about flipping the switch on, on the Holy Ghost and, and all of a sudden getting, getting your miracle or all of a sudden becoming rich and all the things health and wealth has done. I, I'm not talking about that. What I am saying is that if you, if you look at this, if Psalm chapter 1, the, the, the Psalm 1 man is anointed of God, but there were some things that guy did in Psalm chapter 1, if you'll go back and read it, to put himself in a position that God could put favor on him. And so you, you can put yourself in positions of favor. And today... We're going to look at 
how this happened, I think, with, with Mary. And, and I, I want to start it by just telling you this, is that, that God favors people. This is the principle that I learned by looking at Mary's life. God favors those who are available without restriction. You hear me? I want you to let that sink in for a minute. God favors those who are available without restriction. So let's turn to Luke 1. Luke chapter 1, and it's a story that some of you might even read this year around the family, which is a great tradition. So this is where we're going to pick it up, verse 26 of Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you have a Bible, uh, just start in the middle, go to the right, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and it's Luke we're at this morning. New American Standard, if you're on a tablet or device, that's if you want to read what I'm reading, it's the NASB. Here we go, verse 26. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, the angel said to her, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed. That's a real nice way of saying freaked out. All right? You know, freaked out at this statement. And kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. And she said, I don't get it. Why are you calling me favored one? And the angel said to her in verse 30, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great. He will be called Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob. Now, see, you've got to understand these prophecies are coming into fulfillment right here in this statement. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, verse 33 says, and his kingdom will have no end. And Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age. And and she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord. She's talking about herself now. May it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. God favors those who are available without restriction. So I told you a minute ago that if you look closely, sometimes you can discover truths about people that are favored of God and and What was it that gave them the ability to walk with God and experience God in a unique way? And so when we look at Mary's life, I'm going to share with you two observations this morning about what it means to find God's favor. And the first one would be this, that I would say desire obedience more than you desire understanding. Desire obedience more than you desire understanding. Let me tell you what I mean by that, okay? That's a a, a big deal. And by the way, there's a lot to do right here with, with your prayer life. I'm not kidding. There's a lot, there's a huge principle right here about, about God answering your prayers. I, I could ask how many of you would like to see God answer prayers in 2022, and uh, 100% of you would raise your hand if I did, or at least you should. You, if, well, listen, if you want to learn how to pray and talk to God, there's a principle right here that if you'll, if you'll see it, you'll understand it. 
if you, can, if you can stay with me on it. You see, Mary desired obedience more than she desired understanding. Here's the thing. Mary did not need to know the outcome. Mary didn't need to know the outcome. And that's a big deal. Too many of us, too many times in our lives, we want to know the outcome. You know, we want to know the scoop. My gosh, we got people that if they don't know the outcome, they'll go keep talking to people until they can find the outcome, right? Chasing down information all the time. Mary didn't need to chase information. Notice that about her? Mary didn't need to chase information. She didn't need to consult with anybody. And Mary was a young girl. Mary wasn't some 30-year-old girl. She was a young lady. Mary was, Mary, I mean, the historians say that, I mean, she at the most would have been in her early 20s, at the most, Probably younger than that. Mary didn't need to, to, to understand God in order to obey God. Mary, Mary accepted the supernatural as the supernatural. Oh, yeah, she was panicked by it, but she didn't run from it. And there's something to be learned in that. Mary, Mary embraced the supernatural activity of God. When the angel came to her, I mean, yeah, it, it, it messed with her a lot. It, it freaked her out, but she didn't run from it because the supernatural is natural with God. Did you hear me? The supernatural is natural with God. If you cannot embrace the supernatural, friend, you're going to have a really hard time embracing Jesus. You see, we often refer to things as weird abnormal, paranormal. I want to tell you something, Christian. Be very, very, very slow to call abnormal what God calls normal. That has cost our Christian lives so much. It's cost our churches a lot. It's cost church after church. That There's so many churches that never get to experience the power and the anointing and the awakening of God because they want to call abnormal what God calls normal. And I'm telling you, it was normal for God to use angels. It was normal for God to use the supernatural. So when that came into Mary's life, she didn't need to understand it. She didn't have to understand it completely. Listen, man, I mean, if, if you can accept the cross of Jesus Christ on the basis of faith, you've got to accept Bethlehem on the basis of faith, too. You've got to accept them both. They're both supernatural events. And in fact, I'll tell you why this matters so much. And this has to do with how you pray, as I alluded to a minute ago. A few verses before this, an angel appeared to another person, Zacharias. And Zacharias, if you know the story, when the angel appeared to him, his response was different than Mary's. Mary didn't question God, she questioned herself. She, she said, I'm going to have a baby. Well, maybe there's something you don't know, <laughs> yeah, Mr. Angel Man. No, I know full well what's going on, Mary, but there's something supernatural that's going to happen. Okay, okay. Zacharias was different. In fact, Zacharias, when the angel appeared to him to reveal the prophecy, this is what Zacharias said. He said to the angel, how will I know for certain? For I'm an old man and my wife is advanced in years. You see, the difference with Zacharias was Zacharias demanded proof before he was willing to obey. 
Zacharias demanded proof. I want to know more. I want to see more. I'm not willing to believe it. I'm not willing to go down that road unless you can prove it to me. So guess what he got for Christmas? The mute button. Right? Some of you wives, y'all been trying to mute your husbands. It's just, you know, you're pointing that mute button at us and it just don't work, does it? No, it doesn't. Right? Some of you fellas, you've been trying to turn down the hearing aids for years and it just don't work. I think, I think, that's, I think that's why my granddaddy never got hearing aids. I'm, to this day, we are convinced. He just, he, he just enjoyed the silence sometimes. I swear, I'm just, I, I, that, that wasn't really anointed to God right there. That was just me kind of having a moment. Um, but, but I'm going to tell you, the, the reality is... Zacharias wanted proof. And I'm telling you, Mary didn't need that. You see, God, God puts favor on people that are available to him without restriction. Without restriction. If you want to see God answer your prayers, go to him without the need to understand before you're willing to walk with him when he calls you to do something. And that leads us to another observation, I think, about Mary's life, about those that are free of restriction with God. And I would say it to you this way, desire obedience. Desire obedience more than you desire comfort. Now, I want you to let that sink into your life for just a minute. Desire obedience more than you desire comfort. Mary, she was available to God, and, and she, was, she was far more willing to accept the road ahead than to ask for it to be an easy one. You see, we were raised, I mean, I was raised, you were raised, if you were raised in America, you were raised under the presupposition that you are entitled to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, right? But that you really don't see that anywhere in the Gospels. Putting yourself second doesn't really jive with the Declaration of Independence, does it? Oh, I'm not knocking the Declaration of Independence. I'm very thankful for the Declaration of Independence. Every time, every time I get in an argument with our friends from Mercy UK, I remind them that when it comes to the war, we're 1-0, and you know, and, and, and I let them know that all the time, and they don't have anything to say to it either, you know? Now, I'm very thankful for the Declaration of Independence, but, but what, I, what I'm saying is that when it comes to the gospel, putting yourself second, those who want to be great will be servants. Those that are willing to find their life must lose it. See, Mary... Mary desired to obey God more than, more than she desired a comfortable life. You know, one of the things I think we do sometimes, I mean, I, I do it, I think we've all done it, is we tend to make biblical superheroes out of these people. We really do. I mean, we, we all kind of, in our mind, if, you know, when's the last time you saw a picture of Moses without good biceps, right? When's the last time you saw a picture of Samson that he wasn't, looked like an MMA fighter, you know? When's the last time you saw, you know, a, a, a picture of Jesus and he wasn't just like stunningly good looking? We tend to make these people larger than life because we've read about them for centuries. But I'm telling you, if you're reading the Bible that I'm reading, 
God uses very normal people with tons of dysfunction to do very abnormal, amazing things. Mary, Mary should make you excited. Mary should give you hope. Mary should give you the, she should let you feel like everything you've ever done or everything you haven't done, everything you wish you had done, all of your shortcomings, all of the things that you wish you did better, Mary should make you feel good about you. You know why? Because Mary brought nothing to the table. Mary brought nothing to the table. She didn't bring a seminary degree. I've got two of them. She didn't bring a college degree. I've got two of those. She didn't bring anything to the table. She didn't bring an ordination. She didn't have a church commission her. She didn't go to all these conferences like many of us do, like many of you do, to learn how to do ministry better. She wasn't trained in obedience. She wasn't trained in any time of theological foundations. Mary brought nothing to the table. The only thing Mary could offer was herself. Think about that for a minute. The only thing she could give God was her. And look what God did. Look what God did. You see, she desired obeying God more than she desired any life of comfort. And I want you to, for just a minute, I want you to track with me for a second on what it cost that girl. Because I told you before, we look at this with American eyes. Every time you drive down the neighborhoods, you got these really cool nativities. And I mean, people, I mean, there's... They're beautiful. I mean, people carve them out of wood. And they put lots on them. And some of them, you know, there's just all, there's, it's really neat, the, the whole manger activity and all the stuff. I mean, it's just, I love looking at those kind of things. It, it brings to, it, it makes you think. It makes you try to put yourself there. But I'm telling you, we look at that night as this nicely packaged Macy's thing. And it wasn't. It was the furthest thing from that. Think about what that girl gave up. Well, let's just go there for a second. I want you to imagine, adults, I'm, I'm not being cute, I'm not being funny. I really do want you to imagine a really good friend of yours. That's a woman. Just pick somebody in your family, a cousin, somebody you work with. And they came to you and they said, I'm pregnant. Oh. But I'm a virgin. Imagine what people at work would say about her. Imagine the names that people would call her. Imagine the adjectives that we would use to describe a woman who says she's a virgin, but it's obvious that she's pregnant. The first word that comes to my mind is liar. Denial, maybe. 
I mean, there's on and on we could go with all of these descriptions about a woman who is obviously, I mean, I have learned over time, don't ever ask a woman if she's expecting. I've learned that hard way. One time in my young 20s, wow, that was a bad day. Um, I know most dudes have made that mistake, you know, and that, that's a whole different deal. I, I learned quickly, and Michelle was like, what? Oh, my gosh. What you, no, she's not pregnant. She is not. I'm like, I know now, you know. Don't ever say that. I, as of my 20s, you know, forgive me. But imagine, you know, there's women that, you know, she's carrying a baby. And, and you know that, but she says she's a virgin. You, you would use a lot of adjectives to describe that woman. And then imagine, let's take it a step further. Imagine that you see that woman, and then you talk to that woman, and she says, I'm going to give birth to the Son of God. Well, now you would call her delusional, wouldn't you? What would, what would Americans call that woman on Facebook? Can you imagine the private messages? Don't act like y'all don't send DMs. Can you imagine the offline chats? Can you imagine the text messages? Have y'all seen her? You know, I saw her today at Kroger. Ran into her and she's eight months along and she said she's given birth to the son of the most high. I, there's a new drug in town and she's smoking it and maybe she's putting it straight into her veins with a needle. We would brutalize that woman. We would tear her down and call her all sorts of names. Imagine what she gave up. Imagine going to the table for dinner. And the cousins and the aunts and the uncles. What they're saying about old Mary. Right? It's brutal. Imagine what she gave up. It's brutal. See, when you start framing it up like that, when you start reading Luke like that, what you find is a woman who desired obedience more than she desired comfort. She desired obeying God. And I want to tell you something. When you are available to God without restriction, God will use people like that. God will use people like that. Nothing was off limits with Mary. Listen to me. Make sure you don't miss that. Nothing was off limits to Mary. Mary didn't keep life off limits from God. I think Mary was far, far, far from where a lot of us spend our lives. Mary's, Mary's faith wasn't segmented. Her faith wasn't segmented. You know, a lot of American Christians do that, by the way. You know how a lot of American Christianity looks based on my observations in the ministry for well over 20 years? I think a lot of Americans kind of have their lives look like this. We have our career. We have lanes. Those in my mind are kind of silos, lanes, segmented areas. We have our career. We have our property, our land, our mortgage, our homes. We have our, our money. We have our family. We have our faith. We have our, our lives very well packaged. A lot of people, you'll even hear people talk about balancing a, a work life 
existence, a, a work-life balance. There was no balance with Mary. None. No balance. Everything was God's. You wouldn't have found Mary saying, well, I have my career life. And then I have, you know, I have my, my property. I have the things that I own. Listen, friend, you don't own anything. Ask people in Mayfield, Kentucky if they own anything. They'll tell you they don't own anything. You and I don't own anything. We just manage stuff. We don't own anything. No, Mary didn't have this life neatly packaged and then there was an element of faith. But I think that's what a lot of Christians do. I think what a lot of Christians do is they have, they have the parts of their life that faith touches. But they have the other parts of their lives that they control. They have the other parts of lives that they own. And see, when you live life segmented like that, well, let me tell you. Let me tell you what's going to happen. God doesn't use people like that. Not because he's mean. No, but because there's just boundaries that we have in place, that we put in place, and we, we put these segments around. And Mary didn't live life like that. That didn't represent Mary's life. No, actually, Mary's life was quite different. Mary's life, God owned all of it. She, she, she had given it all to God, and she proves it. Uh, look at what she says when the angel comes to her in verse 38. She, Mary said, behold, she's talking about herself here, the bond slave of the Lord May it be done to me according to your word. You see, when, when the angel told her what he was going to do with her and what she was going to do for humanity, she said, behold, the bond slave. Although that, that's a very, uh, maybe an antiquated word. It, it, it could be something that you maybe you don't quite hear the word bond slave very much, at least not in positive terms. But I want to tell you, in the most real essence of the word and of the, the language the Bible was written in, bond slave simply means one who is fully submitted to the will. I defined it for you. One who is fully submitted to the will and dominion of another. That's what bond slave means. Somebody who is fully submitted to the will and the dominion of another. And that was Mary. Mary, Mary was fully submitted. When she said, I'm your bond slave, what she was saying, hey God, all of me is yours. I am under your control and I will do whatever you ask me. See, Mary lived a life that was available to God without restriction. There was no restrictions. She desired a life of obedience more than she desired comfort. She desired a life of obedience more than she desired understanding. Mary was available to God. You know, I will, I'll tell you. If you, talk to, if you talk to guys that do what I do, if you, if you talk to, to men that lead congregations, lead churches, if you ask us what, if you ask me, Jason, if, if there's one thing, if there's one thing that you could see in the lives of the people at Clearview, if, if, God, if, God, would, if God would grant you if God would grant you just one thing at Clearview, 
what would you ask for? I can tell you what my answer would be. It would be that 100% of the people in my church were fully available to God. Fully. My deepest desire for you is to be fully available to God. Not because we'll have a great church, not because budget will go up, not because missions looks better, not because every position is filled in the volunteer roles, not because attendance goes up or down, not because we plant new churches or because we don't. That's, those are all byproducts of that stuff. I'll tell you why that's my deepest desire, because I know that when God finds a congregation that is available without restriction, well, saddle up and hold on. Because God's going to use those people. And God's going to use those people to do things they could never imagine when they're available without restriction. If there's one thing we could take away from Mary this morning, it would be that God puts favor on people that are available without restriction. You know, you often don't think about sharing something with somebody like a tweet or an email or sending them a sermon or sending them a podcast. You don't often think of that as missions, but it is. It's not that you have to send it to the whole world or post every single thing we do at Clearview on your feed. But if, if you've heard a sermon or if you've listened to a podcast, think through your life. I mean, God, who needs to hear this? Sometimes it, it doesn't need to go on your Facebook page. Sometimes it needs to go on your Twitter. But sometimes just a simple text to one person can make all the difference in the world to sending them the Word of God in real time. Share it. You'd be surprised how far it goes.